Hello, hello. So this is Happiness in Pursuit with Kristen Ripley. I am Kristen Ripley and today I'm going to be opening up and talking about infertility, the stigmas around it, and just sharing your story. All right, so today's topic is... It's it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to talk about. I'm not even going to lie. Um, sometimes I like to pretend like it's not an issue with me and it's never been an issue. But I think a lot of times it's because that's what we're told to do. We're told to kind of hide specific parts of us. Um, maybe that's just from my family um, or being a Southern woman. I, I'm not sure. Um, or maybe it's just because we're told to hide the parts of us that aren't pleasant. Um but the parts of us sometimes that aren't the best, that don't work, that struggle, that literally it, it's hard to speak about. Sometimes those are the parts that we need to speak about. Um, so as I open up about infertility and other things like that, I'm, I am currently struggling um, with some my own issues. Um, I, we found out we were pregnant a few weeks ago and I've had bleeding on and off. Um, not horrible, but you know, a few issues here and there and so early, they're really not able to tell stuff. Um, but they're certain that I'm going to lose the child. So I have been in this situation before. Um, and if I, if I laugh, it's because when I'm, when I'm nervous, I make jokes and I laugh. So it's not funny to me. That's just who I am as a person and how I cope. Um, I've learned this about myself. I, I just make jokes when I'm uncomfortable. Um, apparently I'm uncomfortable all the time. <laughs> but I, I was told when I was in my 20s, my very early 20s, that I was diagnosed with PCOS. Um, and it's something I had struggled with, but I just never had a name put to it. Um, I've had thyroid disease for 24 years now. Um, so over half my life I've had thyroid issues, which makes you high risk as well. Makes it hard um, sometimes for you to have normal periods. Um, your levels and stuff kind of jack. They just jack themselves up whenever they want. Um, but adding PCOS on top of that, it just makes it very difficult. Um, so I saw this specialist in my early 20s, and she looked at me, and she told me I'd never be able to have children. And as she's talking about that, she says, but. She said, but I'm only a doctor. I'm not in control. You're not fully in control. You can control what you do. You can change things right now. But God is ultimately in control. Um, so after I left that appointment, I was like, okay, she gave me a list of things I could change. And at that time, I did not eat the best. Um, sometimes I drank. I, you know, I've overindulged in all sorts of things that I shouldn't have indulged in as far as food and things of that nature. I ate my feelings a lot. Um, and so, you know, trying to conceive, being your early 20s, you know, you're early married, you want to start a family, and you're just told you can't. But... You're given a butt and you're told you can change some things. You know, you can try. I do not give up very easily on anything or anyone. That's just who I am. I have there. I've, I've just had so many issues, I think, in my life that if I'd given up every single time, then I'd be a totally different person and I wouldn't be who I am right now. God did not make me to give up. Um, and that's why I think I, I encourage people not to give up so much because when you give up, 
you you lose so much. You don't gain anything by giving up. So I changed everything. Literally, I changed everything I ate. I actually ended up losing at the time. It was very hard for me to lose weight. Um, but I lost 50, 50 pounds, 50 to 75 pounds. And I tried everything. I took medication that they told me to take. Um, you know, I worked out. I didn't drink soda anymore. I didn't drink coffee. I didn't have caffeine. I didn't drink anymore. I didn't eat specific foods. You know, I went to bed at a certain time every night. It was extremely disciplined. And that next year, because she, she said she'd have a year to follow up with me, the year to the day that I was told I could never have kids, I found out I was pregnant with my oldest. And let me tell you, I did not believe it. I didn't believe it. I took, I don't know how many tests. I didn't believe it. I felt horrible. I didn't believe it. We went and had an internal ultrasound. I heard a heartbeat. Beat. I didn't believe it. Um, I really did not believe it, honestly, because I was told I could. I was told I could. I was told something I couldn't have. So it was very hard for me to believe that this was going to happen for us. Um, but I, I have her. And she's nine. She'll be ten this month. And I look at her all the time and I'm like, they put limitations on me, but God didn't. Um, and so we actually ended up a few years later trying to have another baby. And we conceived quite fast um, compared to the first time because we had made so many changes. You know, we were different people. Um, I was already a mom. I kind of already was like, you know what? We're going to, we want to do this. We're going to, there's certain things we have to change. Um, and so we conceived her quite fast um but partial way through the first trimester um my blood work and different things like that just was not good I had to take certain supplement like certain medication progesterone and different things of that nature and I was told I would lose her I remember getting a call about blood work and them kind of walking me over what a miscarriage was and them telling me you will lose her or it wasn't her then. It was just a baby. You'll lose the baby. You're going to lose the baby. You expect to do that over the weekend. It's going to look like this. This is how it's going to feel. We'll see you Wednesday. After after everything. And that was literally, literally one of the hardest weekends ever. Um, that Friday, we had planned to take our child, our oldest child, to see Santa Claus. Um, because it was around Christmas time. And I remember just being in the mall and feeling so hopeless and like helpless and like the walls were closing in on me and there was nothing I could do to just nothing like you're just told this is what's going to happen to you that this is there's no there's nothing we can do there's nothing you can do and you're just told that's what's going to happen and so it was the worst weekend ever I tried to enjoy it I tried to enjoy my child seeing Santa Claus and tried to enjoy my husband went and bought me gifts because he's trying to make me feel better and just nothing made me feel better and I just remember crying and just telling God I just wasn't ready to lose that child that I wanted to meet that child that that child I needed for them to live like I needed them and I knew that they could do it and I knew that they would be I just remember going down this one road that I always come home and I remember going by the church and just praying this prayer because I had to drive my own vehicle because my husband met me at the at the place. And so we had two vehicles and I'm driving in my own separate vehicle and I'm just talking to God and I'm just like, please, like they're telling me that this isn't going to work. They're telling me. And 
A week went by and nothing happened. And I had that appointment that following Wednesday. Um, and I get a call on the way to the appointment that they've canceled it because the doctor is in surgery. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, literally, <laughs> you've got to be kidding me right now because I have waited all weekend for something you told me was going to happen and it did not happen. Um, so we, my, it was my mom and my aunt were going with me to the appointment, um, because we just assumed it was going to be bad information and bad news and I couldn't do it by myself. Um, so we went and she, they took me to lunch since we were not having an appointment and the nurse called and was like, no, you need to come back. We need to do a sonogram. Like, I'm, I'm sorry that they told you this, but we will find somebody to read it. And so they do it and I'm really just not expecting anything. And they take the results over to the doctor across the hospital. And she is in, I guess she's in surgery, but they said that she literally looks at the paperwork and is like, praise God. Like, this baby's fine. There's nothing wrong. It looks like there was nothing ever wrong. And so, we had, I, it was a hard pregnancy. I'm not even going to lie, it was hard. It was hard. I thought every single day I was going to lose her. Um, I had migraines. I was sick constantly. I felt like a golf ball was stuck in my throat. I had to have all kind of like procedures done because they really could not figure out what was wrong with my throat. They thought it was thyroid. And then they thought that I was having an issue with my esophagus. And so it was just a roller coaster, a crazy roller coaster. Um, but we have her and she is now six years old. And so, um, this child that we have conceived, we don't really know. Um, at the end of the day, all I can do is pray. And this doctor, they've been wrong before. And they might be right this time. They might be. But if there's a slight chance or not, I'm not giving up. I'm going to give it the two weeks that they say they're going to give me. In order for me to, pass, you know, for, for, for me to miscarry the child. After that time frame, depending on what they say, will depend on what we do. Um, but I'm going to pray. And this is, it's so hard to talk about because it's emotional. Your heart, my hormones are crazy. I feel so sick. I literally, I hate food right now. But there is so many women who struggle with this same thing and you don't know it. They walk by you at grocery stores. They are in the line at Starbucks. They literally are checking out at Walmart. They're in Kroger buying their protein bread. They're working out. They're praying. They're, they're doing all the things. They're working. They're, they're doing it all. And a lot of women hide. And honestly, that's kind of what women taught to do is that we don't talk about these parts. We don't talk about you're pregnant until your past 12 weeks. Like, that's something that's been huge. It's been, like, drilled into me. Like, you don't talk about it. And then when people do and they have to lose it, and they're like, see, they shouldn't have talked about it. But why don't we talk about it? It is a fact of life that some pregnancies are going to survive and some aren't. Just as in life, we are born to die. But why don't we talk about the hard parts so that we can help other people get through those hard parts? When we hide, we help no one, including ourselves. Like, literally, tiptoeing around how I feel and not telling people is harder than being up front and saying, you know what? I'm struggling. My body is struggling. My mind is struggling. And not telling someone is so hard.
It is hard. And you know what? I may have to end up telling them something sad and hard for me and my family. But not talking about it is harder at this point. Not being upfront with myself. Not telling the people that I love. Not having the support system that I have. Like, not helping someone else. That's how I look at things. Is that if I'm not telling my story and I haven't shared everything, then I am holding someone back from their healing. Because I promise you, there's probably someone you know who has lost a child, who has had a miscarriage, may have had several of them, may have had horrible birth experiences. I, I, I'm telling you, my first, I'll have to talk about that later, but my first C-section was a horrific experience. And I'm honestly, some days I'm like, I can't believe I did it twice. And then I'm, I'm over here like praying to do it a third time because it was horrific. But we don't talk about these things. Because it's in our society. There's some stigma around this as if we're damaged or broken. I am not damaged nor am I broken. I am not. I am a fighter. I am strong. I do not give up. I literally pour into people and sometimes I don't pour into myself. Or give myself enough credit for my own strength. But I have gone through things. I do not look for sympathy. I do not want it. I want understanding. I want compassion. Because sometimes that is the, what, that's what people want. At the end of the day, some people, maybe they are looking for sympathy. I'm not. I want understanding and compassion. It is extremely hard to, one, have health issues that no one can see. It is hard. It is hard every single day when you feel horrible on the inside but on the outside you look like a healthy 34 year old woman who is carrying herself really well who works out who eats healthy who takes her children everywhere who is always busy when really on the inside I know that if I stop I won't get started again I know that I won't I literally struggle almost every day but I'm not looking for sympathy I just want compassion and understanding and for people to stop, it's almost like if you feel bad or you feel compassion for someone else, it's like you're not going to have something for yourself is almost what it feels like some days. So I think that we need to go into things in a more understanding and loving way. And if you see someone struggling and if someone opens up to you about their struggle, do not dismiss them. Don't make them feel bad for telling you how they feel. It takes a lot of courage in our world, depending on especially how you were raised. I was raised to sweep everything under the rug. That is what my family does. I love them, but that is what they do. It is more comfortable for them because they have a hard time processing emotions. They have a hard time doing that. And it has taken a lot for me to not be that way. But if someone shares with you their struggle and they feel comfortable enough to open up to you, listen to them. They're not always looking for you to have an answer. Sometimes they just want you to pray with them or pray for them. Prayer moves mountains. Everything, no matter what, is up to God. At the end of the day, I know that what God has in store for me or my family is what He has in store. It may not be what I want. It may not have, it might not be the outcome that I am praying for. But at the end of the day, He does all things well.
And so if someone opens up to you, be there for them. Be present. And know that they're not looking for sympathy. They're just looking for understanding. And maybe a little comfort knowing that they don't have to carry that anymore. Because it is a very heavy load to carry when you feel like you're alone. And when you feel like you have to hide. Having to hide pieces of yourself and only showing parts is a very hard job. It's very hard. It's tiresome. It's lonely. And you never quite, no one ever quite knows exactly who you are. So, I am going to go. I will be talking more about things as they progress. Um, but I appreciate you listening. And I hope that you find happiness in your pursuit of life.